Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Uh, I'm Gavin. And I'm Sean. And we're back after after our summer layoff. Indeed. Intensive pre-season training. Yep, indeed. You're in, in top shape for the coming for hostilities. Uh, I am. I, uh, I'm fully caked up at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Victory cake is the best cake, Sean. It is. It is. Tastes extra sweet. Indeed. So we'll start off with our, our usual and heartfelt thanks to our sponsors, Liam Paul, mm-hmm. for... Uh, providing us with some cash to get to some events and uh, yes. starting to make our make our bookings for for things in the new year, which is uh, all quite exciting. And uh, thank you also to our our Patreon supporters, mm-hmm. you lovely lovely people. Um, some some new arrivals recently for which we're extremely grateful. Oh, excellent. And, uh, yeah, does that mean I can get my gold plated medallion? It says Gav on it another one another one yeah a spare spare <laughs> well uh consider it okay. it strikes me as a legitimate business expense so um i'm yeah. sure that'll be fine it's good to be back because it feels like i've uh i've been away for most of my life <laughs> uh feel, i have does genuinely feel like i've been away for quite a while now yeah it's been a been a long break since the world championships um while we've not been on air uh we've had Lots of satellite action. There's been a slight rejigging of the the FIE calendar mm-hmm. uh, for for this season. Um, so pretty much all the satellite events, I think, have been crammed into a kind of sort of two month spell, um, finishing up just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, first, of the senior senior World Cup action uh, just finished at the weekend. So we're back to so talk we're about back. we're yeah. talking about that stuff. Um, before we get to the actual fencing action, though, mm-hmm. um, something to look forward to in the most ironic sense, mm-hmm. is the FIE Congress at oh. the beginning of <laughs> December. Now, there has been quite a bit of chat about one topic that's up for, mm. uh, well, one proposal that's up for, for consideration by Congress. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that now or the other topic that we've picked out from the from the Congress? We'll t- talk about the white, uh, we'll talk about this topic, the main one, the, okay. uh, the white lights. Yeah, so the proposal is, and I don't have the, the exact wording in front of me, but basically in foil, get rid of the white lights and um, just carry on as you were. Uh, it's been tested out at at least one event, and we posted a, a little video. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Eileen Rentier of Netherlands, yes. uh, who recorded her her fights under the sort of test conditions of this, so no, no white lights. Uh, in winning a satellite in Antalya, I think it was. Something like that, yeah. Um, so it was just the one fight. Uh, so difficult to draw any totally firm conclusions mm-hmm. from that. She she did offer a sort of um, vlog to go with that, that she didn't like it, despite mm-hmm. despite winning under those conditions, and the feeling was that nobody else did either. Yeah. Uh, certainly there's been a, a huge amount of outrage amongst the FOIL community that mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, an entirely stupid suggestion, and should be dismissed immediately. Well, it's been dogging foil for as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. It's been on the cards. And I think one of the more interesting quotes that I read about it was from Walter Triplett. Uh-huh. I believe he's the owner of Triplett in America. Yeah. I think so. Uh, he said that uh, the FAE, when they proposed it in 98, yeah, I think it's the one he was talking about, about that, yeah. uh, where they proposed it and tested it and nobody cared. They thought it was a good idea back then. Oh, really? Then, yeah, that's, that's that's his recollection. God knows what was going on back then. As far All as sorts that. of weird stuff. There, there's been this this one test that I've that I'm aware of. I'm not sure if there's been a, a load of others that have just mm-hmm. haven't been brought to my attention. I mean, it's not scientific to say that it looks rubbish, but it looked rubbish. It's not entirely scientific, no. Uh, you know. And I think 
from from what was said was that nobody had been hugely prepared for this, hadn't hugely thought mm. about changing their their tactics to cope to cope with these new new conditions. Yeah, but my my vision is of two fencers hiding behind their front arm with the biggest baggiest sleeve that they can find, biggest glove, small uh, slammy, yeah, and just bin. just not want to attack, just standing yeah. there looking at each other. It sounds like an absolutely terrible suggestion to me, but. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't want to be proved wrong because that would mean that, <laughs> that the rule changes have to be adopted. But uh, I, I can't, I can't see that it's a good thing. I think falls in a really good place at the moment. Well, exactly. Why and change it? it? And it doesn't need it. this. Yeah. I mean, the rationale behind it seems to be because it'll be easier for non-fencers to understand. Which is rubbish. I think. It, I think you're right. Yeah. Decent explanation of the rules will yeah. work just fine. People watch rugby. Rugby's yeah, incomprehensible. Yeah. If you've never seen rugby before, it's incomprehensible. You yeah. know that somebody's got to get a ball or over a line or kick it through some posts. But other than that, it's completely incomprehensible. Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of sports that are vastly more complicated than foil. Yeah. And all it requires is a little bit of effort to explain how they work. Exactly. And and as I keep as I keep saying to people, um, it's people like me who are left-handed, and I was just, I, I'd love to fence foil under these conditions. Yeah. Right up my alleyway. I'm quite happy to stick my arm in the way. If there's no light going to stop me from, from doing that, then you're going to plonk your tip on my arm. And I'm still going to score. Mm-hmm. And then you're not going to ever stick your arm out ever again. But yep. I'll still be 1-0 up. You'll be 1-0 up while well, the <laughs> two of you stare at each other. Exactly. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound good. So that, that's been the sort of attention-grabbing mm-hmm. proposal coming towards the FIE. But another one that was uh, pointed out to me, and which I followed up with with a bit more vigour, uh, was a proposal that really kind of took me by surprise that, that it wasn't already in place. And that was the uh, proposal that... Uh, for gender equality in the yeah. councils uh, and and commissions of the FIE. Uh, the, the proposal is that all the councils and commissions should have a minimum of 30% representation from uh, from either gender mm-hmm. in, in all of them. And apparently that that is not the case and, in fact, has been up in front of uh, uh, FIE Congress before mm-hmm. and, and didn't get passed. Yeah. Um, so... I got in touch um, with the head of women in, the Women and Fencing Commission in the FIE, uh, Stacey Johnson of the USA, mm-hmm. um, and asked her about this. And in the course of my research, I'd also found out a few more interesting things about, about her as well. Uh, so here is what Dr. Johnson had to say. Hello, Dr. Johnson. Welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Well, I'm going to launch straight into the my main reason for talking to you, although I have a few interesting other things to talk to you about a little later on. But the first one is that uh, there's a, a proposal from the FIE Women in Fencing Council, which you're, you're chair of, uh, going in front of the FIE Congress in, in December, that reads uh, that the minimum representation of men and women on all FIE commissions and councils should be raised from 20% to 30%, which to me seems an entirely reasonable and straightforward sort of a proposal to make, but um, I hear that that's not actually been the case so far and already meeting with some unexpected opposition. Yes, and just by way of uh, background, it was in the, uh, really the early 1980s that the IOC required all the various uh, international federations of sport to ensure at least 20% representation of women within the governance structures of all sports. Unfortunately, although they have uh, paid quite a bit of lip service, the, the, uh, the, there has been no change in that requirement coming from the IOC. 
without that level of leadership from the IOC, it has been left to the IFs to determine the uh, percentages and by the leadership that is leading the IFs. And uh, the Women's Sensing Council was uh, established, which was a positive move. Uh, we have been working on this effort for six years. So the moment that the council was established, uh, we set this out as one of the primary goals. And uh, what's, I think, very important is in 2015, we flooded this proposal for the first time, and we were partially successful. We were able to get 30% representation on the executive committee, but they defeated, really, literally, by a handful of votes, uh, the uh, making that parallel for the councils and commissions of the FIE. So we uh, are undaunted, and we are back again to try December 8th in Paris uh, uh, once again to have this uh, accomplished. It's particularly, uh, well, first of all, it, it's illogical uh, that the executive committee has the 30% threshold, but not the commissions and councils. Yeah. So that's one thing. This, the other thing, of course, is that now, since 2004, when Women Saver came on the Olympic program, and in particular since the Tokyo Olympics will have the equity of all of the medals, which we're uh, very uh, grateful for and, and for the work of uh, President Rizmanoff of that, women now make up 43% of all of FIE competitors. So it is not too uh, much of a stretch, I don't think, to ask for this kind of access uh, into governance when we are, you know, closing in on being uh, 50% of all of the competitors. And there's one other comment that I would make about this is that uh, we know from the research, and there's actually, there's a theory, it's called critical theory on uh, critical mass theory is that we know within organizations, uh, if, uh, if you can reach a certain number, and that number is 30%. So if you have a commission of, of 10, and you can get to 30% uh, with, representation, with representation of women, they are able to make it the rest of the way on their own. But it's very difficult when it's uh, a committee and there's only one female or two female for their voices uh, to truly be heard and to uh, start to have some kind of, it's like, it's almost like a flywheel. You've got to have a certain mass to, to, to move the flywheel of opinion. And so uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why is because we believe we can uh, make it uh, the rest of the way. And, uh, and uh, certainly in certain of our commissions, uh, 30% is already present. Uh, for example, I would say to you that the Medical Commission uh, and also CIMI, uh, which of course now requires an engineer. So these are commissions that actually require higher educational uh, levels uh, and uh, where we see the presence of women uh, already uh, at that 30% level. Yeah, I mean, it seems totally logical to me, and I find it surprising that it's, uh, that, that it's taken so long for us to, well, to even to reach this stage where it's uh, coming up in front of Congress again. Have you been surprised that it's, uh, it's been such a struggle to, to even get to this point? Um, 
Actually, I'm not surprised at all. There are uh, many uh, countries that, uh, because of their uh, culture and, and really where the society is evolved, they uh, do not want to treat uh, women as equal. And there are many countries, and by the way, you know, Hungary is one of those where uh, women are not recognized uh, equally uh, for pay. And quite frankly, across the world, even Western countries, my own included, uh, we do not have all 50 of our states with the equal pay uh, uh, and recognition uh, that should be required. So it's, it's a very evolutionary process. And if you think about it, if women were not, uh, if 96 and 1996 is when women's FA came in and then 2004 when women's saver, and let me tell you, that was one heck of a fight uh, because, uh, you know, historically, much, a lot of the leaders uh, within the FIE have come out of the saver uh, category. And of course, I'm sure, as you know, the evolution and the history of the weapon is that in the military, the officers rode horses, and they were the saber fencers, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it comes out of that kind of elitism uh, and how long it took for women to get equity, even to fence the various disciplines. Uh, so uh, in some regard, you can, you can understand uh, how it is a, a slog to uh, continue to make these changes and an, an advancement. But, of course, I believe that it's only a, a period of time. But each of us has, to, has the responsibility to do what's right in, in our time period. And uh, so that's what I've been working on and trying to do with my wonderful uh, council uh, of folks is to move this forward. Well, I, I mean, clearly, I hope that, uh, that your, your proposal goes through with uh, the minimum of opposition and is, is adopted by the FIE just, well, just as soon as possible. Because as I say, it seems amazing to me that it's, it's not already in place. Um, a couple of other things that I wanted to, to ask you about as well. Um, you've had uh, most of a lifetime in, in collegiate circles, and I wanted to ask you about um, college fencing in the USA, because it's something that uh, is kind of hard to get much of a, a feel for what it's like and what, it's, uh, what it offers and, and how it's developed um, from, from the outsider's view, like me in Britain. Mm-hmm. Well... First of all, I, I think the first thing that I would want to say is that um, the, the reason uh, I ha- was able to have such an incredible uh, opportunity was because of a federal law called Title IX mm-hmm. that required uh, those universities who received dollars from the federal government to ensure equity of uh, opportunity for men and women. So I went to San Jose State University, which is in California, and uh, it was one of the, well, I I was, I was one of the first of 200 women in the state of California to get athletic scholarship to the university. So since the advent of Title uh, IX in the um, uh, mid-70s, then really for, for women and men, the opportunity at university has been uh, open and really gain, gaining uh, gains, uh, speed. So 
we have very strong uh, programs throughout this country. Uh, and uh, when I started, it wasn't NCAA. It became NCAA right at the end of, of my college career. And, of course, I stayed since then. But I was uh, fortunate to be at San Jose State because San Jose State is uh, very uh, famous uh, for sports activism and social justice. Um, I don't know if this name will be familiar to you, but uh, Juan Carlos and Tommy Smith, the very famed uh, African-American, yes, in 1968, uh, Dr. Sherry Edwards uh, was the uh, organizer of all the black athletes at that time, and so there was deep... um, athlete activism present on uh, the campus during that time in the 60s and continuing on to that. They had great track and field and judo and all sorts of things. So I was able to be at a campus that had uh, really wonderful opportunities. And also, fortuitously, uh, it was one of the, uh, the, the president of the university was one of the very first women presidents uh, in that state. And she came to all of our athletic banquets. And so for me also, it enabled me to see the possibility of what my future was going to be, Uh, to even to dream that that could be a role that I would play later in my life. So I I felt very lucky to have that. And now, of course, uh, it is a field from which many of our athletes, not all, but many of our athletes are able to uh, get a very good education in some of the best institutions in this country and Ivy League institutions um, throughout this country. So you uh, have the support and the wonderful experience of doing sport and learning at the same time and garnering a good education, which serves, of course, all of us on our journey. Absolutely. As um, you feel that um, college fencing has changed, um, we're, we're going to talk about um, the well, the the effect of the, the Soviet Union on on your participation in the sport, but also the collapse of the Soviet Union seems to have, um, to some degree, changed the makeup of um, how USA fencing has become so successful uh, with the influx of coaching and expertise from the Eastern Bloc and uh, perhaps changing the emphasis from um, college fencing uh, more to successful clubs? Well, I think that what I have observed in the United States is that uh, certainly we have um, uh, been enriched by the uh, coaches who have come from other countries to the U.S., But I would also say to you that we have uh, grown our own. And, of course, you know, Greg Macialis was my teammate at San Jose State. Oh, right. I didn't realize that. (laughs) I saw him at the weekend. He's looking very well. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, no, we competed at exactly the same time. We traveled on many teams together. We were on junior world teams, world university teams, world teams, and Olympic teams. And uh, so, uh, you know, I believe that uh, the U.S. has also in this, you know, over these last 30 years, uh, grown very talented um, 
uh, coaches of our own alongside of great talent uh, that came to us. And really, we have established across the United States about six to eight really strong regions. And within these regions, of course, also are, uh, uh, you know, very strong universities that support centers. But I would say to you that one of the most important things that I think that has made this huge difference started in 2004 at Athens mm. when, uh, you know, the U.S. had had a very long drought of having any kind of Olympic medals. And when we won the first Olympic medals, and they were in women's favor with uh, Meryl Zagunas and Seda Jacobson winning bronze, that broke the psychology for other teams. Our men's favor team at that same game had outstanding results, and they were close to medals. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, when athletes see one set of athletes doing it, they believe they can do it. And in fact, that is exactly what has happened. Uh, and subsequent to that, it only picked up. So that breakthrough for us, it has been a hundred years since we've won uh, an Olympic medal for women. And the only other medal that the U.S. had won was Peter Westbrook in, in 1984. Yeah. But of course, you know, those games were boycotted by the Russian bloc. So we didn't have a normalized uh, Olympic Games until 88. But that winning of the medal unlocked the psychology for the U.S. We believed finally we could do it, that we could come together, both as an infrastructure, you know, but, uh, that also I want to tell you is the year that we had uh, U.S. representatives in every single council and commission within the FIE and the executive committee. So we were working as a team, both for the athletes, uh, themselves and within the infrastructure to create this kind of result. And then since that time, Don Anthony, who I will say to you was the first African American uh, uh, to serve as an officer, and he served on my executive committee with me. Uh, now is you know going to be an eight-year term president for USA Sensing, and has been able to carry that and to help and to ensure that uh, our athletes are continuing to win. And now, of course, you know, they're, they're winning in all weapons mm-hmm. and we have depth. Uh, they're coming also in the juniors and the cadets. So I really think the biggest thing has been uh, the psychology that the U.S. finally broke through and could win and then has just taken off from there. The, the sensors that we have are you know, just amazing. I mean, you know, the men's foil team is, is is just unbelievable. And then all these other individuals, Ella Dershowitz, Daryl Homer, our women's FA team, Kat Holmes, the Hurleys, you know, it just, it goes on and on. And so um, I think uh, having the universities provides a stabilization and a great place for training. Uh, but I think it is the combination of the mental and the psychology that we broke through and we can do it. And, you know, once you've been in this world power position and you hold it for a long period of time, it, it's, uh, it just builds upon itself and keeps you in a strong position. Yeah, absolutely. So many more years of uh, USA fencing success still to come. 
I, I wanted to go. Yes, I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about, well, the, the kind of Olympics that wasn't for you. You were selected for the the 1980 Games in Moscow, which of course the USA boycotted. Um, how did you feel about that at at the time? And looking back on it now, do you feel do you feel any differently? Well, I. Uh believed then, uh, and I believe the same now, that it was uh, a, a terrible mistake. I um, I needed a friend who many people, of course, know. She's on the IOC Executive Committee and has been a tremendous force for uh, equity and social justice within the international uh, Olympic movement. She was the head of our athletes at that time, and I joined along with many other athletes, uh, joined her uh, in the belief that this was uh, an incorrect um, uh, uh, decision uh, made by the President of the United States at the time, Jimmy Carter, and then that our uh, United States Olympic Committee Board of Directors uh, capitulated to. Uh, although, you know, the vote was uh, much closer at that time period. But I, as an athlete, became active and spoke across the country against the boycott. I think it's, it was completely contrary uh, to uh, the principles of the Olympic movement. And, of course, I needed to France, and I think there was about 11 people formally, uh, and including a member of the Executive Committee for the U.S. Olympic Committee, filed suit. They lost that suit. Uh, but... Um, it, uh, it was, in my opinion, the wrong thing to do. It didn't make any difference uh, at all uh, in how the Russians behaved, you yeah. know. <laughs> and, uh, and yet it really uh, helped uh, destabilize the Olympic Games for a period of eight years because of that decision. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the bright side for me is that it put me on a journey of uh, interest and athlete activism in terms of social justice, justice for myself, but also for others, and then opening my eyes, of course, uh, and coming into the greater knowledge of the rules behind everything, the legal processes. Uh, I became an athlete representative for my sport on the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee, Athlete Committee, and then, of course, uh, became a referee, uh, became an officer of uh, USA Fencing, and eventually became the president, the first woman to hold a four-year term there. And and that really also, I think, spurred me on into my work uh, because education, uh, I serve now as a uh, president of a college uh, here in Orlando, Florida, and I... Um, you know, my work here is about opening doors of opportunity for uh, students so that they can change their lives and become, you know, uh, uh, able to uh, create a better life for themselves and for the society. So uh, although it, it, it was, in my opinion, the wrong thing, I still believe that today, it certainly grew in me uh, an athlete activism and to be a voice uh, and to uh, learn to stand up when I think things aren't right and uh, to try to make a difference in changing those things. Yeah, absolutely. So unintended consequences that um, probably overall has, has worked, out, worked out quite well for you. <laughs> well, you know, I really love to see now 
you know, whether it's in the professional arena and, and people like Kaepernick, you know, taking a knee yeah. uh, uh, to protest uh, the problems uh, for uh, black folks in our society, or uh, whether it's the women gymnasts yeah. fighting against sexual abuse. Uh, it's very important for athletes who, um, you know, we learn a lot through the development of uh, working to perfect something, right? Uh, we learn a lot of self-discipline and focus and the ability to stay the course of the long haul. And so those are skills that can help others and to help make our society a better place and a more peaceful place uh, for all of us to live. So, uh you know, if the 1980 Olympic uh, boycott helped move me in that direction, then I suppose I'm grateful. <laughs> I can hear the slight, slight reluctance in your voice to say that, but um, yeah, I, I'd like to thank thank you very much for uh, taking the time to to talk to me. It's been uh, really fascinating, I must I must say, and um, uh, I wish you every success in in getting your. Uh, this proposal and I believe a couple of others through uh, the Congress successfully at the beginning of December. Um, if you had a final message for any of the members of the FIE that will be attending the Congress, um, what would it be? Yes, I think that uh, message is that I want to, I want them to be champions of inclusion. I would ask uh, all of the countries who will uh, be able to impact and affect the vote to ask yourself whether they want to be champions of inclusion or exclusion. If they vote for the proposal, they can become champions for inclusions in a, uh, a more equitable FIE. And I, I believe that uh, all of us deserve that who serve and have served for many years within the FIA. So thank you, Sean, for helping me to get the word out. And I want to uh, thank Georgina Usher, who is a fabulous member of the Women in Fencing Council, for introducing us and enabling this interview to happen today. Well, I think it's uh, fair to say she's passionate on the subject. Yeah, very much so. I mean, she's a, a very... Passionate, as you say, uh, but clear, yeah, and rational mm-hmm. um, voice for mm-hmm. for equality in sport. Yeah, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed talking to her. Uh, and it's the twenty first century, Sean. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we are approaching f- the first fifth of the way through the century. Uh, through the century, it's going to be twenty twenty soon, mm-hmm. and it seems it's going to be almost. It feels almost impossible that this is a sort of thing we should be talking about. Yes, it's just exactly. so obvious. Yeah, so why we're we talking it, about it, this? It was such a yeah, it was genuine disbelief on my part that yeah. that this was still still required, and that there could be any sort of doubt that it would be uh, passed unanimously. Yeah, uh, just yeah, it seems absurd. So um, as uh, as Dr. Johnson encouraged you, you know, be a be a champion for for equality. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's all that we're asking our. FIE delegates to Indeed. do when it comes to this Indeed. this proposal. No skipping off for a coffee when that when that vote comes up. No, no. Uh, do stick your hand up at the right moment. Do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, why is this such a controversial topic? I, well, anyway, yeah, it's the twenty first century. You know, let's just get on with it and be modern about it. Yes, indeed, because it's uh, and as she says, it's uh, the the thirty percent is a is a kind of tipping point for. Um, equality becoming uh, a natural thing in yeah. your organisation. Yeah. So it needs that little little bit of encouragement to get mm-hmm. there, and uh, 
yeah, I sincerely hope that the, the FI will do the right thing. Um, we will do a report, I think, on the on the Congress afterwards. Obviously, yeah. um, we'll come back to the proposed rule change for foil, and uh, <clears throat> if the result doesn't go <laughs> the right way yeah. for for this proposal, um, we'll be having a proper a proper rant. We appear so. to be quite light and whimsical about it. Mm-hmm. Well. Saying this is the right thing to do. Yep. Um, but if that doesn't go through, I'll be I'll be uh, horrified at our well, our international federation. Hang on a minute. One of the things I have said in the past is that when you look at the FIA head honchos, it's a bunch of middle aged white men in a room, right? Okay. And it's well, been like that, us, but more. Well, yeah, like us, but but, ri- <laughs> but with more with more money, <laughs> more, money, more yes. gold chains. You <laughs> yeah. know, uh, that's more gold chains. Uh, but the this is an opportunity for them to change that. Yeah. You know, this is an opportunity for them to move into the into the future and uh, do it appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Time for some fencing action? Let's talk about some fencing action. Okay, let's. Where will we start? Uh, three, three World Cups over the weekend. Getting things going. Yeah, let's start with uh, the Women's Epi because I've got the least to say about that. Uh, <laughs> so it was broadcast live at the time and it's been almost, in fact, it's impossible. I can't find anything, any, I can't find the coverage of it anywhere. Okay. So I can't watch it. So this was Women's Epi from Tallinn in Estonia. Yes, that's right. Uh, it is usually, I think, actually broadcast live on Estonian television, which mm-hmm. I think is where I've watched it yep. previously. Um, but I was, well, busy doing other things while this was on anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so didn't catch live stuff. No. And you're saying... Uh, no, I can't Ca- find it anywhere. Ca- I spent ages looking for it. Impossible. Can't find it. I did find the final of the team, but that's because the uh, the French Federation put it on their web page. All right. So you can okay. watch the final of the teams if you want. Okay. And that's between France and Russia. So so you can actually watch that if you like. But other than that, no, you're just going to have to rely on what I'm about to tell you. Excellent. Well, that's, a, <laughs> that's the sort of um, uh, reliable and impartial yeah. view that I, I want to hear. Certainly. Actually, so, so, so ironically, funnily enough, the, the the most imagery I saw last year was from an Estonian photographer on Instagram. Right. Right. So uh, I'll have to drop him a line and see, hey, now, images. <laughs> is, are we in danger of talent becoming the, the new Cancun? Uh, Season opening event... No, no coverage let, at all. Let, let's talk about the, the results and we can make, make a decision on whether or not it's Cancun or not, right? So there were loads of, uh, loads of women Epius uh, at this one. There was over 200. And so we'll, I'll just go through a couple of uh, sort of big names who went out in the last 64. Uh, actually, before the last 64, Fia Mingo went out in the 128. Yeah, because she's dropped out of the top 16 now. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's going to make life harder for her, obviously. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, the prospect of, of you know not even making the second day. Indeed. Uh and then outside of that we've got let's have a look. Okay, so into the sixty-four. Uh we've got Choi, uh Choi of Korea, Natalie Mohausen, Kuhn of Hungary. Uh actually I should just give a quick shout out to Katrina Smith Taylor of uh, GB who made the sixty four. Good stuff. Uh yeah, get some World, World Cup points on the board. Yep. Uh uh Napic, so it's Napa Mia, uh, Miazga. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Poland, um, she she was out in the sixty four as well. Uh, Zhu of China went out in the sixty four. Kelly Hurley went out in the sixty four. Uh, Julia Ritzi uh, went out in the sixty four. As did Courtney Hurley, Anna Maria Popescu, and uh, Mara Navaria. Oh, okay, so, so like yeah, bonfire of the seeds really. Yep, yep, decent number of early yeah. casualties. And then as we moved into the sort of the thirty two, I'm just not going to do them all this time. Uh, <laughs> Shinna Lam went out. That's uh, not really a surprise anymore. In fact, that almost counts as a half decent result for her. I think so because she's kind of on her way out at the moment. I think uh, Kravitska also went out, and that basically in the sixteen we're left with Zhu went out, Kolobova went out, Coraline Vitalis all went out in the sixteen. Okay. So the lineup in the last eight is a, it's quite an interesting group. 
Um, we've got Gorham of France. I admit it's not someone I'm familiar with. Uh, Hu of China. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a it's a new mead mead for you. Who? <laughs> Who? Exactly. Uh, uh, Lawrence Epi of uh, France made the last state. It's another good result for her. Uh, Kang of Korea. Uh, Sun Yuen of China. Uh, Alberta Santuccio of Italy. Uh, Kong of Hong Kong and uh, Jung of Korea. Okay. So, I mean, there's not necessarily the, the top seeds there, but there's a couple of uh, well-known names, basically. So we'll just go down through our matchups in the last eight. So uh, our first one was Alberta Santuccio versus uh, Lawrence Epi. Uh, not particularly high-scoring on this one, with Santuccio taking it 7-6. Yeah, okay. 7-6 is not a lot of hits over, not a lot of hits, no. over nine minutes. No. Uh, our second uh, last eight was between uh, Melissa Gorham of France and uh, Jung Huyo Jung of uh, Korea. Now, this is an interesting score. Uh, Jung takes it 7-1. Which you've got to think is... Last minute. Almost no hits for mm-hmm. a long time, and then a flurry of hits one Indeed. way. Yeah. Or even just one hit, yeah. followed by a flurry of hits, as yeah. the other things just to throw I mean, themselves into it. There's a possibility here that uh, Jung just went ahead and then it, it was just nothing happening for 10 minutes or something like that. There's a possibility of that. It's possible. I, but I don't think so. I think it's last minute, loads of hits. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm put my money on that one. Um, the, the third last eight is between uh, uh, Sun Yuen of China and uh, Young Kang of Korea. Uh, Let me guess. Go for it. Not a lot of hits. Actually, no, you're not right on this one. Oh, really? And this one went the distance with uh, Sun edging at 15-14. Oh, okay. Now, we don't know. Sun's not the most exciting offensive, so we don't actually know how those 15 hits were scored. True. But Kang's quite an active and aggressive offensive, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I imagine this 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 might be quite a good one to go and check out. And our final uh, last date was between Hu of China and uh, uh, Vivian Kong of Hong Kong. Yeah, Vivian, Vivian seems to be the name that she's... Yeah. Uh, I think that's the one she she's usually uses, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, that one uh, went the distance, but it was 15-5. So an absolute route for who. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so the, I mean, it's very hard to say because you don't actually have any uh, any footage to sort of go over. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not exactly impressed. Our first semi-final, uh, it was Santuccio versus Jung. And the final score was 9-8. Mm-hmm. And that was Jung. Okay. So I, I've uh, got a feeling it wasn't a high-scoring one or an aggressive one or not much happening. Mm-hmm. But compare that, which I'm sure was uh, that that was the exciting one of the two. Oh dear, uh, Kong versus uh, Sun Yuen. Uh, what do you think the final score was? We're talking about a handful of hits here. Mm-hmm. Four three. Oh dear. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but I'm sure it was dreadfully exciting for the people who were in the room that day. I think you might be half right there. <laughs> uh, so our final matchup is uh, is Jung Korea versus Kong of Hong Kong, um, and the final score on this one was ten six. Okay. Again, so, I mean, as you say, without without but, actually having but, the footage, it's difficult to be sure. But purely from the scores, that doesn't sound it like doesn't a, sound a like a Indies fencing. No, that. no. But congratulations to Jung. Uh, I'm not sure when the last World Cup she won actually was. If she has won one, I need to double check that one. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure either, to be honest. Yeah. So um, that concludes the individual in the team. Uh, we. Ah, have, this is where all the action. Was. This is where all the action was. Yes. Yeah, so the semi-final matchups. We'll just go straight to the last four because we've not seen it. Can't say anything about it. Not really. Uh, ironically, the video of the the final is available, but I haven't had a chance to watch it because I only found it today. All right. Okay. So, so it was a bit last minute for me. So our first semi-final was uh, USA uh, versus France. Okay. And uh, France edged that one out twenty nine twenty five. 
Oh, right. So there's a potential, okay. you know, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it could be one of those epic ones where it's just hit for hit and it's not bad. I mean, remember I said in the last Team World Cup that I watched, no, in fact, the World, oh, the World Championships, Championships yeah. where it was quite low scoring, but mm. actually it was quite entertaining. Yeah, there was, there was actually still quite a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. They, were, they were quick to call it a day in, in matchups where, where it was boring. When yeah, neither, neither side really fancied it. Yeah. So that's fine. And then our second semi final was uh, Russia versus Korea. Um, it's quite an interesting one. I'd like to see this one. Russia take it 41-30. So it's obviously gone, okay. gone the distance. Yeah. Uh, so who really knows there? But it looks like Russia would dominate, basically. It's, it's a big margin, certainly, for, yeah. a, for an AP match. 11, 11 hits at the yeah, finish. Exactly. Uh, so who knows what happened? Maybe there was a, a sudden burst in Russia or something like that. But it looks like Russia were comfortable. Okay. Uh, so our third place fight is between uh, USA and Korea. Uh, this sounds like it was a bit edgy, with USA edging out 21-20. That does sound a bit more, bit more edgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final was uh, Russia versus France. The, the video for this is available, so I'm going to go and check this one out. Uh, it went the distance, and it sounds like it might be a good one because it was 45 to 43. So I think it's going to be a good one, that so one. So we can may have finished in a high with a, a yeah. flurry of hits and lots of, lots of action. Yes, yeah, so I'll definitely go back and watch that one. All I can say is, judging by the score, it was good and worthwhile checking out. So I'm going to go and have a look at that. Okay. No, that sounds, yeah, that sounds encouraging. Um, so. Uh, and that concludes Talon. That's all I've got uh, to say about it. Yep. Thank, thank you, Talon. And good night. Uh, the only comment I would offer on that is with the uh, USA team finishing third, apparently that keeps them top of the world rankings. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I saw something on social media. That, yeah. Uh, USA fencing. That's interesting. That because until, until I think I got picked up on this last time I said this, I still wouldn't have assumed that the USA were the, the top women's epi team, but such is life. Yeah. I mean, it was a, a strong late finish of the season for the for the USA team, right. winning the World Championships, winning the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started to find a bit of form and get the mm-hmm. get the hang of working as a team, what was going to bring them success. So I would say that actually that finishing third early on in the season like this is actually a good chance that that's actually improving oh, yeah, on, on last year. So they may be stretching their lead with yeah. a, with a third, think, place, third place finish. I think sort of thinking back over the team as well, I think it's the same... Sort of, sort of environment that we talk about with the men's foil team where you've got quite contrasting people mm-hmm. and together it makes them quite a good team yeah. whereas maybe their individual results don't quite match that um, or maybe obviously not in the men's foil team but I mean I'm talking about the their individual results of the women's epics is maybe not quite as good as the team results suggest uh, not at the moment but again they've been they're producing uh, consistently, consistently decent results no, in no, as well. True, and yeah. they're better than the men. So, <laughs> I take it you have no American epiest friends, male epiest friends. Uh, well, not I, any, I not know, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of um, American epi coaches. Maybe they'll be cut me off on Facebook now. Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. So we've got we've got a first we've got a first coming up here, Gav. Mm-hmm. It's your first outing as our saber correspondent. <laughs> I have watched some women's saber this time. You have, yeah, yeah, good. I good. So some. I'm looking forward to this because again, I've I've not watched any of this. Mm-hmm. You've not so, watched any of this. No, nothing. All right, okay. Um, I've watched the final. Okay, right. So again, our coverage is going to be a bit light. I can't help feeling that as <laughs> season opener, we've been a bit a bit lax here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I I kind of assumed that you would catch up with the women's saber yeah, and then we'd pick up the slack. I can at least talk about the final that I watched though. Okay, you know? so yeah. Um, Women's Sabre from Orléans in France. Yep. And again, it looks like a, the, the, French, the French put on a good event here, and it looks like it's a good one for us to go to, so we should really go to it at some point, I think. Yeah, I would I would like to. Uh, we did we did briefly talk about doing Orléans, I think. Yeah, we did. Uh, but in the end, settled on uh, going to 
Moscow for the Sabre Grand Prix mm-hmm. uh, much later on in the season, just mm-hmm. simply so we could get both men's and women's. But uh, mm-hmm. it, you're right, it did look a good one, and I, I would yeah. have quite fancy a, a visit to that because it would be uh, cheap and relatively easy to do. Yeah, so we should do that one. We should pick bring that one out so let's have a look through the the last 64 so because I know everything about women's saber I'm mm. going to pick out the names that I recognise in the last 64 that went out excellent well both uh, of them <laughs> Bhavani Devi of India yes yes yep. yeah. didn't go for the full name I noticed but uh, I, I, no I, there is a, an amusing story about that where I actually tried to pronounce it at an event and I said it over the over the Tainoi <sighs> And Breathe. she came up the next time she said it was a good attempt, but next time just say Bavani Devi. <laughs> okay, so you're following that advice now. Yeah, yeah. You've been, wait, been, you been waiting for your moment. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got in the last 64? Uh, we've got Monica Aksama of, of, of uh, the USA, Aoki of Japan, uh, Sarah Bowser actually went out in the last 64 as well, uh, as did Charlotte Lembach, Choi of Korea. Okay, now let's go into the 32. And Cecilia Berda is the obvious one. Oh, yeah, Cecilia Berda, yeah, yeah. Exactly, indeed. Uh, into the last 32. Oh, who's who's in the last 32 that went out? A good name there. Arrigo. Yeah. So our first, uh, our first, you know, trot out on, on a woman. So she's still doing the sabre. Yep, yeah. Which is what I wondered if she would persevere. Yeah, but she has done. Irini Vecchi of Italy, she went out in the 32 as well. Uh, as did Stone of, uh, of uh, USA. And uh, Bianca Pascu of Romania. Yep, she'll be. I mean, she'll be disappointed with that. I mean, chances are that. I mean, I said it before that the the Italians will all be looking slightly nervously over their their shoulder at uh, yeah. uh, a looming Arrigo in their their rear <laughs> rear view mirror. Yeah. Um, and and the Italians largely didn't really have a have a great weekend. Um, Rosella Gregorio making the the last sixteen, mm-hmm. but the you know the others and the the team that are probably starting to twitch now. Yeah. Uh, mostly going out in the last 32. Um, so, Chris Iovici, um I still want it to happen. I just want it. I want the... And Navaria all, all going yeah. in the 32. Wouldn't it be ironic, right, if Arrigo makes it to the Olympics, gets a medal in the Sabre, but not the foil? I would that, love- that would be ironic. And I'd be curious, actually, to know if if that happened, if, if that would feel like a success for her. Yeah, I'd be. I'd have to. You'd have to ask her. You'd have to send yeah. her an email. How do you feel about that? Um, so, uh, who else do we have in the sixty-two? And so, moving into the sixteen, the Zagunas went out in the sixteen. Uh, so first event out. She's still maybe still getting over a little hangover from a little break. Uh, Pushtai also went out in the sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dagmara Wozniak actually went out in the sixteen as well. Uh, as did Pozniakova and uh, Sofia Velikaya. Yeah, we, we've got to now introduce Pozniakova as world champion. Posnikova. Oh, sorry, world champion Podsnikova. Yeah, sorry about that. And uh, yeah, and and Velikaya going out as well. Yeah. As the, so it's quite a lot of big, uh, names. big names actually going yeah. out there. And I mean, so I mean, still that's reasonably late in the day in sixteen, mm-hmm. but uh, it it does for me for a well, not an un, entirely unfamiliar last eight, but uh, yeah, it just seem to be missing a few mm-hmm. a few big names when you when you look at it as a as a sort of finals placing lineup or looking yeah. at the the quarter final draws. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the as we go through the last day, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. I think that the French had a little bit of a home ground advantage. I think on the day. Um, well, as you say, we've we've never been to the event in Orléans, mm-hmm. but it's even remotely like what it is in Paris for the men's foil. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you don't get a lift from that as a French fencer, then then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, there's no helping you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, because I was watching the final and you could see the crowd because the because the, the the crowd had a lot of light on them this time for some right. reason. So it wasn't quite as black as it was last time. It was full. Yeah. So it's a similar sort of size to the. Uh, Maybe slightly smaller than the one in Paris, but it's a sort of well, similar okay. size. So, so it has what, that similar feel and look to it. Yeah, what's that? Five, five, five or six thousand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big big numbers. Yeah. So that gives us our, our first uh, our first fight in the last day is between uh, Anna Marton and Manon Brune. Uh with uh, Anna taking that one fifteen seven. Oh that's a big that's a, that's a bit of a com- comfortable win, yeah. Comfortable win for her, I think. Uh our second last day is between uh I'm not familiar with this person, it's uh, Alina Komachuk of the Ukraine. Yes, one of the um, almost certainly multiple medal-winning uh, Ukrainian team fencers who's uh-huh. been uh, <laughs> carted along by her her more illustrious uh, teammate. All right, but uh, yes, uh, undoubtedly a, a competent fencer who's uh-huh. um, lived lived in the shadows for. You think for so? And this is a moment in the sun. You think? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, her opponent in this one was uh, Chloe Fox Gittimer of the USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, young American, I think, still a junior. Still a junior. Yeah. Well, so it's a good, good last eight for her in that case. Mm-hmm. But uh, it went fifteen uh, five against her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that doesn't sound like it was a a, a difficult one for uh, Komashuk of Ukraine. Our third one is uh, Navarro versus oh, uh, Georgia Du of uh, I think that's Greece. Oh, it is because I put a video up on the. Uh, on our page yesterday. Oh, yes, that's right, yes. A little video saying how difficult it was for her to fence. So she's made a last eight here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Navarro took that one fifteen nine. Okay. So that's uh, oh, that's Navarro of Spain as well. Yes. So, And then our last in the la- our last uh, last eight uh, fight was between, uh, again, this is not a name I'm familiar with, it's Nucha, Sarah Nucha. Yeah, she, I think, made the last eight or possibly even medaled at a World Cup last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, th- I think quite a young fencer, right? Okay. Um, so not an entirely new name, but not you know not not a superstar yet. Yeah, but, I'm showing uh, my my sort of naivety here because these are not names I'm familiar with at the moment. Uh, okay. So See, this year I said I would do more of this. Uh, so. Yeah, keep going. You're getting the hang of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, she was up against uh, Caroline Queroli of our, our teammate, and uh, Queroli took that one quite comfortably, fifteen nine. So okay. I think that's so, what you'd expect, really. Yeah, no, no really close quarterfinals then. No, no, nothing like that, no. So our first semi-final was against uh, it was Anna Marton versus uh, Komashuk. Uh, apologies, I didn't get a chance to watch this one. Uh, uh, with Anna taking it comfortably 15-10. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say it's comfortably. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I just know these things, right? Yep. And then the matchup here is between, obviously, Navarro and Quiroli. Uh, and uh, Navarro took it comfortably 15-11. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'd say that was a surprise. Without without looking at the rankings, I can't remember, but I'm I'm not convinced that uh, uh, Navarro's that high up the rankings. I mean, obviously no. she's got a big a big boost after mm-hmm. after this result, so mm-hmm. that that seems a a pretty outstanding one for for her. And yes, of course, it, you're into the final. You you gotta mm. gotta fancy your chances. So yeah. go for it. You've watched you've watched some women's saber. Now mm-hmm. you're going to tell us what it looked like. Yeah, well, it looked like saber. Uh, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> Well, the thing about women's saber is it's uh, there's there's more there's, there's more opportunity for a range of actions that you maybe don't see in the men's, and I think that's that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously we've got Anna Marton here, who's we know about very class act, up against uh, Navarro, who is probably I don't know is this her first World Cup final? I, I would think that it is. I mean, I can't be absolutely certain about that, yeah. but, I, but I would guess so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the first period, Martin just looked uh, really cool and controlled. 
Uh, so it kind of fl- she had this kind of nice sort of fluid action, the kind of thing you would expect actually from her. Uh, whereas Navarro was very sort of staccato, everything kind of juddery about her. Okay. But Navarro was just basically uh, basically all over her, essentially. There's nothing Navarro could do. Right. And every, if Navarro so much as twitched, uh, <laughs> Anna would basically score. And that's, that's essentially how it looked to me, right? So it was essentially a lot of step lunges that we were seeing and an occasional pyre post from Navarro. Uh, one really, really good stop hit. Uh, and it finished 8-3. Okay, so it's a, a comfortable half-time lead. Yeah, it's a comfortable half-time lead. It's not really very much to say in the first the first eight. Uh, in the second eight, Navarro seemed to get her get the timing a little bit better, and she got a couple of hits back. Um, so her lack of fluidity seemed to play back to her advantage against Anna, and she gained a couple of hits back before Anna started to stamp uh, stamp her uh, authority back on the match. So it got to about nine seven, and I was starting to think at this point that maybe uh-huh. Navarro was fighting it back. Mm-hmm. But not, no, not really, because what, ha- what happened next is that Martin just upped the gears. So right. she would basically stuck to her game plan and started doing it harder and faster. <laughs> uh, not, not always the best uh, way to go about approaching your, your fight, but uh, well, it seemed, seemed to work here. Well, it looked to me as though if Martin held back and tried to do anything too clever, mm-hmm. Navarro's timing was just enough to catch the blade and the pyre post or perhaps get a stop hit. Right, right. That that's the that's the two actions that I could see coming from Navarro. Whereas Marton, all Marton had to do was impose herself immediately, and if she did that, she basically scored. Okay, right. So that was my reading of it. I mean, obviously, I do epi. I'm not going to tell you what the actual <laughs> hits were. Yeah, but anyway, as I, as as I was saying, Navarro draws a couple of. Good, she makes a full shot a couple of times, mm-hmm. and as those points, because of the height difference, it really ends up being a pyre post rather than a full short. Counter attack yep. sort of thing, anyway. But it's not. It's not really enough. Um, it, it's close, and then Martin starts to impose it, and then she just just runs off with it, and okay. it finishes fifteen nine. I mean, it's it's over quite quick, and it, it was actually it's actually quite good. Uh, but other than that, it, what didn't exactly go against type. Okay, okay, but you enjoy it. I did. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. see, women saber. I'm telling you, it's. I've never it's said. I've, I don't think I've ever said that. Uh, I've not enjoyed. Women's Saber. Uh, you have said you wouldn't watch it at times, but, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe I need to be... Uh, See, even uh, if you're being force-fed it, yeah. you will eventually develop an appetite. Yeah, okay. A bit like foie gras or something like that. Yeah, something equally theoretically disgusting, but actually quite nice if you persevere with it. And there was a team event. Of course. Okay, so uh, in the semi-finals, we've got uh, our, first, our first match was between uh, France and the USA. With France taking it close fight here, it was forty-five to forty-one. Yep, that's that sounds pretty close. Uh, more more encouraging, encouraging signs for the you USA see? women's sabers. Yeah, do you think? I mean, obviously, I haven't watched this. Do you think that I've got you? I've, the Zagunas must must have been fencing in this one. She must have been. Oh, now again, I've 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 not looked at any of this, so I'm not sure. But okay, I don't know anything about saying, but I put my be. money on the table. Zagunas is in this one, and the USA are doing better. There you go. Okay, that's confident prediction. I confident think. prediction. Uh, I'll go for that it, one. It seems, uh, yeah, it seems reasonable. Yeah. Okay. And our second semi-final was uh, Italy versus Russia, with Russia taking this one forty-five to forty-one. Okay. So it sounds to me like it was a better day out for the Italians than it was the day before. Yeah. So in the in the third place fight, we've got uh, UC versus Italy, with uh, Italy taking it forty-five forty-three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, turns out I don't have a. You don't have the brain hundred percent recollection of of all your stuff. Of, of every result ever. Well, you've got a better you've got a better mind for the for sports stats than I do. Let's put it that way. Um, 
Uh, so I find because I find I file all the stuff under unimportant and it just gets binned. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, deep down I file it, file it as unimportant as well, but it doesn't it doesn't mean I can just discard it like that. It's there. Yeah. And our final was between France and Russia, with France taking it forty five forty three, and apparently it's a cracking match. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it would be a, a close mm-hmm. fought match with a with a, a French victory in in France is yeah. going to have a, a decent atmosphere about mm-hmm. it. You would think. And judging by the sort of social media stuff, it was an absolute cracker. Just right. judging by the way they were going on about it. And one of the interesting things from all of them as well is they, they take the finalists away and they do like a proper event. So when they come off the off the piece, they actually do a, a little piece to camera. So they oh, get interviewed okay. like a proper sort of sporting event. So I don't speak any, <laughs> I don't speak like a, well, you know what it's like at a fencing hall. Um, yeah, I know what you mean, a proper sporting event. You're, quite, sporting you're quite right. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting. And it's one of the reasons I'm kind of keen, because I kind of like to see how this has all been set up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in previous years, they've done nice videos and stuff like that about the, about the, sort of the general area and things. Yeah, I mean, the um, French Federation's uh, social media guys are... They're pretty good. On on top form, they yeah. are, I think, the gold standard for oh, definitely. Uh, for f- social media uh, coverage in, in the fencing world. Mm-hmm. And they give good GIF action. Yeah, they, they they love a a gift trade off with uh, with you. <laughs> they do. Yeah, I'm not sure it's something you should be encouraging, to be honest. But um, and I, I'm not totally convinced you're going to win either. Yeah, well, that's very <laughs> true. You know, these guys do this for a living. Yeah. Um, final one of this. Final one of this first episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, men's foil action from Bonn, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to tell you about because well, because I was there. Yeah, I heard that the, there were some random blokes doing the commentating. One of them was Scottish. Yep. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Um, yeah, I, I got asked to to go and do the provide the commentary for for that, which uh, was a bit of a bit of a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, thoroughly enjoyed doing it. I had some uh, excellent cool commentators. Uh, Sam Moss from uh, the USA, uh, Ben Peggs, mm-hmm. also very good, and. Uh, Mel Morsh, the Danish Danish coach for the finals and the individual, uh, and then for the teams on the Sunday, uh, Schulte Douglas of Australia. All right, um, okay. He was he was extremely good. Um, Dmitry Region of Russia, mm-hmm. and uh, for the final, uh, <laughs> I was joined by uh, British British men's foil uh, captain Johnny Davis. All right, okay. Was mm-hmm. ex- excellent company. So um, they largely made my my job. Very easy. I mean, a few technical hitches, um, things like the the third fourth place playoff. Um, some switch in the software meant that none of the names were up. Well, that would be so. Fun. That sudden paranoia that oh my goodness, I'm going to get the, I'm going to call call it being the wrong person. Yeah. So I became super cautious about actually seeing who anybody was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was good fun. So um, I saw the feedback was you got some of the names right. Yeah, some of them, some of them, and I got quite close <laughs> with some of the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the, the sort of usual shark pit, which is um, uh, YouTube live chat, was quite was quite pleasant about me. Apparently, so that's nice. I didn't read it because I actually switched it off when I watched uh, when I caught up with some of this. Oh, so sorry. I, need, I need to go back. I, I need to go back. Thought, and, I, thought, I thought you were going to say you mute, muted the sound. So. No, no, I'd have to go back and do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thanks for your support, Gav. Yeah, sorry, right, Sean. You're not a robot. It's fine. Okay, so we actually talk about some events now. Uh, yes, yeah. Let's go on with some some of the actual fencing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, usual format: early departures. A few a few departures in the last sixty four. Erwin Lepeshu mm-hmm. in the sixty four. Uh, Giorgio Avola. Apparently, it's a pronunciation. Whereas I went Avola, which is not right. All right. 
I've been oh. saying Avola for years, and everyone told me that was wrong. It was actually Avola. No. Hmm. Okay, yeah, for right all along. Oh, well. um, so those, those are probably the two big big names to to go out in the sixty four. Okay. In the last thirty two, uh, Alexis Cherimisinov, who was defending his title from Bonn last season, but a different time of year because they rejigged the calendar. Oh right, okay. Bonn's the season opener this year, whereas last year it was in March or something like that. So um, you have two Bonn champions oh, right. in, in twenty eighteen. So he he bowed out in the, the last thirty two this year. Abel Qasim of Egypt mm-hmm. uh, was knocked out by Nikitkin of USA in the last right. thirty two. Um, the first in a series of, of big wins for mm-hmm. for young Mister Ritkin. We'll uh, track as we go on. Out in the sixteen, that was that was probably the biggest collection of casualties really for the um, for the high seeds uh, with Fakoni and Bowden, Masialis, um, Chunka Long, Carlos Yavador, uh, Garrett Meinhart, all. All bowing at that mm-hmm. stage, but still a, a pretty a pretty stellar cast when it gets to the gets to quarterfinals. Yeah, inter- uh, it's interesting uh, matchups here. Yeah, now this, this was kind of tricky because because I'm sitting in the the commentary box rather than be able to go back and forward mm-hmm. watching stuff on YouTube. I'll, I'll be much better informed about some matches than others. You know, which one the ones, ah, ones I was, yeah. was mm-hmm. focusing on. If you were on the the piece that were further away from the commentary box, so the commentary position, I watched far less of you because it was harder to see the fencer's feet are, are obscured by the raised finals piece and things like that. Oh, which, right, uh, okay. Uh, so you can't be absolutely sure where they are okay. uh, relative to their back line and things like that. Uh, but a quick run through of the uh, quarterfinals. Nickett can... Oh, sorry, Nickett can put out um, Fakoni in the last 16. What was the score? Uh, that was a 15-14, I think, Whoa. that one. Right, okay. Nail biter. He, he was ahead for most of the fight. I think mm-hmm. it was something like 14-10 up. Fukuni drags it back to, to 14-0. Okay. And you think, oh, well, kids missed his chance. But no, mm-hmm. I finished, finished it off. Right. Um, and then in the last eight, uh, he beat uh, Daniele Garozzo, the Olympic oh, champion. Wow. So he's beat, beaten the world champion in the 16, mm-hmm. beaten the Olympic champion in the last eight. Um, and good on him. Uh, fairly comfortably, 15-9. Yeah. It was a, a, a good, good win. Second quarter final, Kassara uh, beat Timur Safin uh, very comfortably, which was a bit of a surprise to me, 15-6. A very, very one-sided fight that Mm. I thought would uh, be one that would, you know, would really have have the potential to go either way. I'm going to just throw throw this on the table and we'll come back to it maybe as we go through this, but is Kassara having a bit of a renaissance? Yeah, very, very looks like I mean, obviously I watched a lot of his fencing at the weekend Mm -hmm. uh, and again, you get that, that sort of realism by being peace side rather than seeing it on video. Yeah. It's hard to be absolutely certain, um, but he he did look in tremendous form mm. um, all weekend. Sharp timing, being aggressive, dominating yeah. fights. Maybe not quite, you know, not the same Kassara of Kassara in his mid twenties. Yeah, maybe not quite so, so blindingly quick. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of pa- little bit of pace still off him. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, much more perhaps. considered than he used to be. I think. Yes. Yeah, you know? it's true. It's true. But yeah, uh, gave out a, a right thumping to Timur Safin in the mm-hmm. last eight. Ends of the four uh, of France uh, beat Ryo Miyake of Japan, 15-8. Sure. Uh, I didn't see very much of that one. I can't remember which fight I was watching at that stage. I think I was watching it Kingarotsu, actually. Right. I can't remember what I did commentary on now. It's a, kind of embarrassing, but I, I think that was the one that, that we were watching. Okay. And I, again, another comfortable win uh, with the four winning 15-8. Um, and then the final one, which was on the the piece furthest away from from where I was, All right. uh, so I, I didn't really see very much of uh, Richard Cruz uh-huh. uh, putting out Miles Chamley Watson fifteen eleven. 
So onto the semis. Uh, Itkin Cassara. Itkin's run against uh, <laughs> usually successful Italians finally comes to an end. Yeah. Um, the Rock of Cassara. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Young, young Itkin. Uh, broken. Yeah. Um, but 1510s, no, no disgrace at all against. Uh, Against no, I mean I got I, I took some notes because I was watching this one. It was furious. It was really quick. It was really really yeah quick. yeah. It was, no, it was no, all over in like no a minute about. and a half, two minutes, something like that. A bit about two and a, two and a bit minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was it was no hanging around. Kasara, I think, seemed intent on stamping his authority on mm-hmm. the match early. Yeah, so not not playing with his kid. <laughs> the, the, the other sort of noble thing in this one was uh, I think it was Kasara had a, a hit overturned that was the first hit of the match. Straight to video replay. Yeah, that's right. Second in. Yeah. yeah. So, and the heck came off, and, and then everybody blinked for a second because I went, no, no, let's get that replayed. Yeah. I'm just like, no, no, you're right, actually. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually your hit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's using your, using your video reviews well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an important skill mm-hmm. uh, at this level. So, that brought Nick Hitkin's run to the end, but that's a, a tremendous performance from a fencer who's yeah. still, still a junior. Yeah. And, I, and the other thing I, I, th- I thought when I was watching this was, uh, I never really felt that Nick was totally out. Cassara was dominant, but he was there was always a. Oh, slight, he was hanging in there, yeah, yeah absolutely. Was, there was no, there was always a feeling that he, there was if he could just figure something out, it was going to go back mm-hmm. his way. But then this never happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, and so the other thing I was going to mention as well, and I mentioned in commentary when when you see the the four semi finalists lined up on the piece for their sort of presentation mm-hmm. to uh, to the they're not a very big audience, I have to say. Was they're a big bunch of guys. Nick Itkin was comfortably the smallest of them, and he must be six foot two. Well, Kasara's giant. Kasara's big. They're they're all they're all big big guys, and mm-hmm. you really really notice that. Yeah, I mean, as I say, Nick Itkin's probably about six foot two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kasara, what six six four or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Rich Cruz probably about similar sort of mm-hmm. similar sort of height, and Enzo the four. Yeah, same same sort of. Uh, it's quite tall as well. Yeah, they're. Big, big units, mm-hmm. big units all round. So second semi-final, uh, Richard Cruz yep. uh, finds his way past Enzo the Four. Uh, one of those fights where anybody's game up to about halfway, yeah. and, then, and then Richard finds the sort of rhythm and timing, mm-hmm. uh, the the sort of game breaker to to run away with the fight in the second half. Yeah, uh, I thought Richard looked very relaxed in this fight. Like, you know, Enzo Enzo's having a good day. It's a semi-final. You know. Maybe maybe younger guy coming up. Well, mm. not coming up. You know what I mean? He's like Richard's much older, much more experienced. But yeah. I felt like Enzo could. There's a potential here for Enzo to just come through him. But no, I thought Richard was again. Enzo Enzo the Fort was another fencer that I was really impressed with over the weekend. He looked really sharp, mm-hmm. really good form, and mm-hmm. uh, a, re- a really nice guy. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I interviewed him in him, Paris yeah. last year. He was uh, um, a good guy. So happy to see him getting a getting a decent result there. But uh, on to. Uh, uh, yeah, another oldies reunion, the oh, final. Before before we uh, before we move on to that, one note I've got here <coughs> is that in, pe- in the second period, I thought Richard's flesh looked very good, which is something I never thought I'd ever say about Richard Cruz. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, he's obviously got that sort of, uh, he's famous for his, uh, his masterful defence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we forget that he does actually have a good attack. Yeah, I mean, he still, he's still when he when he chooses to use it, and it's used pretty sparingly, he still has a, a faint disengage to die for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, I thought that was a it was, it was something I noticed. I was like, oh, ah, yeah, I'm going to write that one down. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So onto our onto our near near veterans final. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not in a literal sense. I mean, they're both still in their their mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's two thousand and five. Uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Cassara Cruz, yeah. yeah. And um, 
I mean, goodness knows how often these guys have fenced each other because they, mm. they're within a year of each other. They fenced each other loads as juniors as well as, you know, their various meetings over the years at senior level. Um, and it was, it was a fight that really could have gone either way for, mm-hmm. for most of it. And again, that feeling that Richard found, found the key. Yeah. And once he had it, the fight was over because he got it well well through the fight and there was no time for Kassara really to to change his tactics and yeah. just just that feeling I mean not a, an obvious change in uh, the, the technique being used but just that feeling for when things are going to happen yeah um, and in the end uh, a 15-11 win for mm-hmm. for Richard Cruz to uh, well that keeps him at second in the world rankings there was a bit of speculation afterwards speaking to the British guys whether that whether might take him to, to world number one but uh, not quite four points in it behind Fukuni uh, with the next next World Men's World World Cup being Paris, where Fukuni won, so he's defending a lot of points. Oh! So. <laughs> when was the last time there was a British number one? The last time, yeah, the last time. What? Never. Exactly. Never. <laughs> is is yeah. the answer. There's a couple of actually moments in the final that I thought were quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, one of the observations that I just sort of made in general about the way that the the piece layout was, I thought that the actual strip was too narrow. Because were quite a lot oh, of the final, yeah, the semi-finals and the final that the, the the race piece I thought it was too narrow, right? So there was quite a lot of the fences would step off the side. There's a fair bit of falling off. Uh, yeah. Height of the height of the race piece probably, I mean not not huge, forty centimeters or something like that, but right. you know a foot and a bit. Because um, I thought I was wondering, before, you know, if you're not ready for it and you your foot slips off the side, yeah, um, it's it's uncomfortable. You, it, you can really just, like bash your shin off it and. Yeah, or you could even go over your ankle or something like yeah. that. And I thought that it looked only like a, about a foot either side of the piece, so that's not much. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah, yeah. From yeah, so it's a foot deep, and then it's about a foot off there. I mean, I don't know, That's just it's hard to judge it on the, on a video, but it looked really narrow and not much space to sort of manoeuvre around on the piece as a result. Yeah. That was one of, my, sort of, one of the things I noticed just on, a, on the actual uh, sort of the layout of it. Um, but also there's a couple of just sort of interesting things. There was a hit in the first period where it looked like a Sarah... Kassara hit on the second attempt. Yes. Uh, this one, did that go to video? Yeah. Yeah. But he still got the hit. And I was just like, no, he hit on the second hit. I was certain of it. So I was like, no, 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 he didn't hit on the first time. Because it was a, it was too late, was it not? Now, see, this is the thing where when you're actually there live, you get sort of, you get one view of it. Right. Um, it was better for the team event because could actually, for the final of the team event, because I could actually see the uh, right, the okay. laptop being used for the video reviews, but I, I couldn't in the individual. The, the laptop was, uh, you know, out, out oh, of sight. See, I wonder if you had the slow motion. Right, no, yeah. afraid not. Okay. okay. But, uh, you know, as I say, the, the ability to use your video re- video reviews well is a, yeah, definitely. a, a genuine a genuine important skill. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, never mind. So there was another another British win. Hooray! Saying that all the time these days. <laughs> it's becoming a habit. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah one, one I'm, I'm keen to encourage. Uh, so on to the second day mm-hmm. and uh, a bit of team action for the men's foil. So really the question at the start of the day was almost certainly, can the USA continue their amazing run of World Cup one wins? They won all of them last year, comfortably top of the world rankings. Mm-hmm. But of course, they did lose in the final of the World Championships to, to Italy. So, yeah. uh, depending on you know which camp you've got a foot in, mm-hmm. you know, do the USA continue their incredible run, or do Italy reassert the dominance yeah. that they they showed they might do at the World the World Championships? Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff that happened before the before the latter stages. Um, 
Germany beat Russia in the last 16. Quite oh, a big, quite a really? big shock result. Yeah. yeah. yeah Good on them. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I mean, Russia Russia looked a bit off colour uh, all weekend, really. Didn't, right, okay. Didn't quite quite get going. And uh, Andres Anita of Germany uh, held on to a lead to, to edge at 45-44. Mm-hmm. So that was the, the, the big result from the, the 16 yeah. stage. Results in the last eight, uh, no, no real shocks as such, or no, no complete shocks anyway. But the closest one to being one was um, Italy just, just getting past Hong Kong, forty-five, forty-three, <laughs> and they were, they were, they were behind for virtually the whole match. Oh, really? Yeah. So Daniel, he saved the. Was he the? Was he the ringleader at the end? He, he was their closer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a role he seems to have settled mm-hmm. into after a after a, a, a season or two when he didn't look entirely comfortable about that. Right. But, uh, that's that's where he is now. Um, so onto our onto our semi-finals, uh, they were well on the face of it. The final scores looked quite quite comfortable, and USA Japan was uh, was just exactly mm-hmm. uh, 43 to USA. Um, Italy beating France forty five forty again a five hit win seems reasonably comfortable, but that was actually um, uh, seven hits in a row from uh, Garozzo in the final leg. He went on forty thirty eight down. And no, it was it uh, was utterly ruthless in the Irwin just the couldn't. No, no. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. That was the other thing I forgot to mention. No Irwin. No Irwin in the <gasps> French team. Yeah, I'm offended. In, sitting in the stands. Um, apparently nothing wrong with him. Just uh, giving some other guys a a bit of a run out. Oh, right. So you had uh, Poti, Martin, Cado, and the four were your your four for France. So that's a reasonable. It's still it's a pretty, really, pretty yeah, decent team. So, and in the third, fourth place playoff, uh, Japan beat France. Which again, that was probably a bit of a surprise. So that's a that's a really good result for for Japan. I mean, they've certainly been the top four, may have podium in the past, uh, but they were a team with with the the core still being the sort of very young mm-hmm. Japanese fences, you know, just out of juniors, yep. um, that have been central to their team. But also, also some returners. Ryo Miyake was back in the back mm-hmm. in the team, so he was so a, he was in the individuals. So uh, yeah, good day in the individuals, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, he's a, a team. Silver medalist from from London twenty twelve, so yeah. uh, that mixture of youth and experience mm-hmm. always always something that you're looking for. Yeah, um, so somebody like him coming in to give that edge of experience to the Japanese yeah. team and it's worked work really well. Things. Yeah, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly did. Um, so on to the final, uh, Italy looked like they were right in it. They were five hits up, I think, after three legs, and you thought, well, you know, Italy have mm-hmm. Italy have cracked are back to getting the hang of this. Yeah. You know, they're they're gonna gonna take over from the USA, and then to be honest, it it didn't really happen. Right. It petered out in a strong, yet another thoroughly thoroughly solid team performance from the men's USA right. uh, foil team. They they really have got the hang of combining their differing styles and tactical approaches uh-huh. to to make a winning team performance on Good. a totally consistent basis. And yeah. in the end, a pretty comfortable forty five thirty two victory. So yeah, so that was my that was my weekend in Bonn, and you enjoyed it by the sounds of things. Yeah, it's exhausting actually. I would have to say, you know, thinking about talking about fencing for a few hours doesn't really sound that difficult. And to be honest, it wasn't. Yeah, that hard. I mean, I don't know if it was any good or not, but um, I got through it without drying up completely or mm-hmm. you know being rude to anyone or swearing yeah. live on air. Yeah, um, but I was probably done in by the end of the day. Mm. I'll do it again though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Given half a chance. Better if you had access to the things like replays as a commentator. That would have been helpful. I mean, there was a, a few technical issues. The main guy at Fencing Vision, who was who was doing all the live streaming, mm-hmm. 
um, was actually in France also doing the live streaming oh, for right. for Orléans. So I had uh, his his young assistant there, um, mm-hmm. Philip, who did a, a, an excellent job, but mm-hmm. uh, clearly you know, a little less experienced and right. uh, spending quite a lot of time on the on the phone to France getting mm-hmm. instructions. So um, he, uh, he he's a medical student, uh, the, right? The, this okay. guy Philip, uh, and what he said was that. Uh, despite being well into his studies for his medical degree, uh, the the first day, the Saturday, mm-hmm. was the most stressful day of his life. Oh, really? <laughs> so, um, must have yeah, been stressful. I, if she said, I'd, "I'd rather, I'd rather be pulling someone's heart out and did, repairing yeah, it." Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, so more more stressful uh, running the running the live stream mm-hmm. for a World Cup than uh, performing your first operation on a live body. So I don't know. I mean, it's not, maybe that uh, questions his priorities slightly, but, <laughs> but yeah, he. Uh, he did a grand job, but it was. I, th- I think it was hard work for him. So that leaves us with our, our, our usual uh, first coolest fencer on the planet. Yeah. So uh, we know who it's going to be. Well, shall we? Shall we make the pretense of drawing up a shortlist? Uh, sure. Um, uh, on a Morton. Uh, yep. Um, for a commanding win, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from what I saw, she looked absolutely on form. Yep. So uh, it's a good win with all the all the usual big names there mm-hmm. and. Yeah, uh, as you say, a commanding, commanding performance, yeah. and uh, certainly richly deserves to be shortlisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who else? Who won in Tallinn? Uh, can't remember. I can't no, remember. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, so I can't really yeah. make a value judgment. Okay, so so them for the win, who, whoever it was, uh-huh. um, or or possibly uh, Richard Cruz. Uh, yeah, mm, he's been around for a while. Yeah, and weirdly, we have picked him as our coolest fencer on the planet. I mean, I notice he's not let that accolade go to his head in any way because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I congratulated him on his win at the weekend, he didn't say, oh, thanks for choosing me as coolest fencer on the planet again. Yeah. <laughs> D- didn't, didn't mention that at all. <laughs> Can't think why. So okay. that's, that's okay. good that it's not going to him. To, to, be, to be fair, he's going to be coolest fencer on the planet, I think. Yes, he is. Okay. I'm gonna, but do you want to say it? Do you want to make it official? Uh, yeah, so our coolest fencer on the planet is, once again, Richard Cruz. Well done, Richard. Yep, so there we have it, our our first podcast of the new season. Yes. Good to be back. Yep, feeling a bit rusty, to be fair, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah, because yeah. we've clearly not been uh, talking about fencing at all for the last, yeah. last few months. Yeah. So um, we've forgotten forgotten what it was like. Things to look forward to that we'll be covering in our, our next episode. Because the way the season's been rejigged, it's mm-hmm. slightly slightly odd. There's um, all three of those events over the over the weekend yep. just passed. Uh, then we've got, I think, one this weekend with men's sabre in Algiers. Mm-hmm. And then we've got women's foil in Algiers the following weekend. So basically just everything stays up in the one place. Did that happen last year as well? There was something weird like that. Where it was Algiers, then Algiers again. I'm sure it was that, something like that. Algiers, then Algiers again. I'm sure that was last year. I'm not sure. Or was it? Sure. Or was it Turkey? It was like Antalya, then Antalya again. Why, why are we in Antalya again? Or Cancun for yeah. Sabre Grand Prix and uh, the, 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 the unbroadcastable, yeah. apparently, yeah. Uh, women's foil. I'm not sure. Um, and we've got Mains Epi from Bern. So there's kind yeah. of this first round of World Cup action. And then there's a bit of a break. Nothing, nothing at seniors. Yeah. Uh, until into the new year. Mm-hmm. So we'll produce another episode covering the second three World Cups and we may hold off until after the, the FIE Congress mm-hmm. as well. Which well, I have is... an interesting interview to do as well. Oh, that's true, yes. So we we could, got, we we've got, got a couple of interviews banked. Yeah. So, so do we... we... Well, we'll have to decide. 
deliver those as, uh, yeah. as Christmas presents. Oh, yeah. oh, so definitely no spoilers from us then. No, indeed. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much for joining us once again. Mm-hmm. Um, don't forget to spread the world word if you're if you're enjoying listening to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of your friends would too. So yes. let them know about it just in case we haven't stumbled across it yet. So obviously we're contactable in all the usual venues. You can get us on Twitter. Uh, we're the fencing pod- we're fencing podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, which is where we get most of our feedback. That's the fencing podcast. You can email us at thefencingpodcast at gmail.com. would be really lovely if you could leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes because apparently it helps in some way. Yeah. Plus it would give me something to say. Because that'll help us to stand out amongst the, the plethora of other podcasts about fencing. Yeah, but apparently there are some more there are there are some other ones out there now, so we, we should well, this is we should true. ask for our uh, our glorious fans, because we love you, uh, to leave us some five star reviews to make sure we stay at number one. Yeah. <laughs> World's leading podcast about fencing. That's probably us. <laughs> probably us. Yeah. I have a field of what, maybe three <laughs> or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um but anyway, we'd be, we'd be lovely to hear from people that they are actually enjoying it. And I think it would be nice to hear some uh, feedback. Yes, indeed. Uh, but if yeah. you've got some, if you only want to see bad things, don't bother. Yeah, just the nice stuff, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So until next time, uh, that's us. It is neat. Thanks very much. <laughs>